0: Thank you to the committee for inviting me to speak. I come to this discussion with a background of working intimately in the creation and the promotion of Florida's college athlete right of publicity legislation. On September 16th of last year, I received an email from the chief legislative assistant to Florida House of Representatives member, Chip Lamarca, who was representing my district and was just reelected to the position. He mentioned that representative Lamarca was thinking about, as he called it at the time, pay-for-play. He had read a post about college athlete publicity rights that I had made on social media, and he was interested in discussing this issue further as they began to develop their legislative agenda. Representative Lamarca, like the state of California, has since thought better of using the phrase pay-to-play, instead opting to focus on what has truly become at issue, providing athletes with the codified right to earn money off the use of their names, images, and likenesses and other elements that make up an individual's right to publicity, which has been recognized by statute by roughly half the states and otherwise acknowledged by common law. Following up on Professor Kohler's credible commentary, it should be noted that there currently is no federal right of publicity law concerning college athletes or any other class of individuals, even though it is a right that is generally recognized across the country. I worked closely with Representative Lamarca and his team over the next few months in developing a piece of legislation on the subject with the intention of making it precise and concise, staying focused on the main target, which was to ensure that college athletes in the state would be able to commercially exploit their publicity rights without being threatened by punitive action emanating from their schools, conferences, and the NCAA, while determining what we could potentially add to the bill To benefit those athletes without diverging too far from the goal so as to make passage an impossibility. One of the first questions I was asked was why California chose 2023 as the implementation date in its legislation on the subject and whether there was really a need to wait four years to make a Florida law effective. I am probably to blame or thank for Florida pushing the envelope on this issue. I conducted a bit of diligence and determined that there was no justification for the large gap between passing the legislation and making it effective, and I suggested that a much smaller window was required for policy to be set and understood by stakeholders. The initial draft of the legislation included an effective date of July 1 of this year, 2020. That was ultimately changed to July 1, 2021, prior to being passed by the Florida House and Senate. The effort did, unfortunately, at one point become partisan. Ultimately, Representative Lamarca's bill was pushed forward with a companion piece of legislation in the Senate. There has been little activity on the subject since Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed the legislation into law on June 12th of this year. As stated on the last page of the legislation, the Board of Governors and the State Board of Education shall adopt regulations and rules to implement the law. My hope is that this is taken seriously and with ample time to spare prior to July 1, 2021, so that universities, athletes, and advisors are able to grasp the rules surrounding the newly advanced opportunities. I recently saw a draft of a regulation that I believe falls short of what is necessary. What it does state is that athletes may use their publicity rights to promote their athletically and non-athletically related business activities, including products, camps, clinics, and personal appearances. This promotional activity may make reference to the institution they attend, but any use of institutional marks must be authorized by the university. Contracts for compensation must also be disclosed to the athletes' universities. Additionally, there is some clarity that's provided with regard to the financial literacy and life skills component of the legislation, which is differentiated from that in in which you're operating in California. A minimum of five hours of education must be provided at the beginning of the athlete's first and third academic years. The workshops must include information concerning financial aid, debt management, skills necessary for success as a college athlete, and available academic resources, as well as a recommended budget for full and partial grant and aid aid college athletes based on the current academic year's cost of attendance. The workshops may not include any marketing, Advertising, referral, or solicitation by providers of financial products or services. In addition to Florida and California, three other states, Colorado, Nebraska, and New Jersey, have created new name, image, and likeness laws concerning college athletes. For all intents and purposes, California and Colorado, as well as Nebraska, have effective dates of 2023, and New Jersey's would not be effective until 2025. Now, these efforts will die in the event that a federal proposal with a preemption clause is passed in Congress and signed into law by the President. But it is fair to say that a national law would not have been possible without these states proactively passing their respective pieces of legislation on the subject matter. Assuming that there is no action by Congress in the near future, it is tough to tell whether a state like Florida would refuse to move forward with its own law on July 1, 2021 in the case that the NCAA actually made meaningful reforms by that date. Separately, I would note that the NAIA should be applauded for passing its own form of legislation, which I know was discussed earlier back in October, which appears to not conflict with the law that we have passed in the state of Florida. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you, sir. Okay, the way that we do our questions is that we ask the uh, panel members to I place question marks into the chat, and then I call upon them in the order that the question marks appear. Uh, Once again, I do have some questions, but I'll wait for my fellow committee members to uh, chime in. Do we have any questions from any of our other committee members? Okay. One second, second, I think. Yes, we. Yes, uh, from Taylor D. Benedictus. Taylor?
2: Yeah, hi. Um, I really enjoyed hearing uh, what you had to say. Did you say, uh, I may have misheard, did you say that California does not have any mandatory workshops for um, students about financial literacy involving this, uh, this topic?
0: Unless the uh, legislation has changed since we were looking at it back in September when we were originally drafting our legislation, uh, my position is no. But again, I I may be mistaken on that point. I would suggest looking specifically at the legislation that was passed by Congress uh, and signed into law by your Governor Newsom. But um, again, that was the diligence that we had found back in September of 2019 when we were in the process of drafting our own legislation. So it was something that we decided was fruitful to add to our legislation and is now codified by statute. And understand it's it's just a minimum requirement in our state. We strongly recommend that schools go above and beyond that, uh, but at a minimum five hours before the first uh, academic semester, and then prior to the start of the third year, if the athlete actually still is in school, obviously that wouldn't apply for, let's say a one and done athlete.
2: Okay. And I just wanted, Um, is, and this is, I may have missed this. Is it possible to add that clause into the California proposition or I'm sorry, I'm not like super familiar because I personally agree that'd be most beneficial for student athletes. And I think to prevent, you know, the clause of like a student getting himself in trouble, um, this would be really beneficial. So is that possible to be added in, uh, as it is right now?
0: Yeah, so every piece of legislation, you know, in the legal profession, we say is a living document. Uh, There's never any prohibition on amending uh, not only bills that are being discussed, but also laws that have been signed by respective governors. So there's certainly the potential for making an amendment if, in fact, uh, that was not something that was added into the legislation in California. And interestingly, when we first proposed legislation in Florida back at the end of 2019, before the legislative session began uh, in 2000 or 2020. Uh, the original legislation did not include any financial literacy or life skills management component. Uh, we were very concise and precise. During the time that the bill was debated in the House and in the Senate, that's when we shifted from an effective date of July 1, 2020 to July 1, 2021. But there was also some discussion about adding a requirement for schools to ensure athletes as well. Uh, That ultimately was parsed out of the legislation, but the financial literacy and life skills component remained. And um, I don't see any negative to it, to be honest. I think that the schools really have the resources to provide that. um, And we're not asking for much from the universities to to be fair.
2: Okay, and is this mandated for all athletes or only athletes that are in situations where they have the opportunity for potential profitability?
0: Well, that's a good question. We take the position in Florida that every single athlete is in a, and it is in a position to monetize their publicity rights. And we certainly are not naive to, to understand that there will be disparity with regard to earning potential. As long as the opportunity is there, we think that uh, the law satisfies our goals. But to answer your question succinctly, this is a requirement for every college athlete, revenue okay, or
2: non-revenue. You. Perfect. Thank you very much. the all the questions I have.
1: Good questions, Taylor. Um, so I'm, I, I can maybe answer the question. I just wanted to confirm with um, uh, uh, Mr. Heitner that uh, when you did your analysis in September of 2019, it was not there, correct? That's my understanding. And Anita, I know that, and I haven't, uh, uh, going back to SB 206 to, to review it, um, but, uh, and do you, in your review of 206, did, 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 you, did you look at, and in, in, I just focused on the part that dealt with us, I'm going to be very honest with you, and what our charge was, but Anita, in your look at 206, uh, did you see in the chaptered version, that existing?
3: It does not. So, California did not include any kind of workshops or educational component uh, to their legislation at okay. this time. I, yeah. I,
1: I I didn't I didn't think so because that's what I was going to tell uh, Mr. Heitner is if if in September of 2019, which is when it was just chaptered, it it it, it had gone through both both houses, the Assembly and the Senate, and um, and was signed into law at that particular time, so the ability to come back and add it in um, would have to be in the subsequent um, legislative session. And it has not been touched uh, since that particular point in time. Um, and so um, so if it wasn't there then, it's not there now. Uh, and to address Taylor's question, uh, yes, it, it is a possibility and, and maybe, uh, <laughs> I'm not speaking for the legislature here, uh, Mr. Heitner, but maybe that was an opportunity and delaying it down to 2023 to see, you know, you throw the stone into the pond and see what ripples are, are come out, and then you have the ability to make adjustments. One of the things that 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 in kind of working through our timeline uh for, for the work that we're doing is um is that anything for the California Community College athlete that's gonna to have to go back to the legislature, the timing of how bills are done in our, in our legislative session is that they tend to be introduced in February of the legislative year. Um, there's always you know, tricks of the trade that the legislature can do, got in amends mm-hmm. later on, um, but our report is not due to the legislature until July 1 of 2021, they could have an opportunity to go back into that legislation and add stuff relative to the community colleges and at the same time, upgrade, uh, update any other aspects of SB 206 to include that uh, type of educational element that could be a recommendation of this committee for uh, community college athletes in a and if that was the case, I could see how that could be incorporated in. But the, the and, and even if it doesn't get, a, you know, incorporated into a got in amend, it could still exist in uh, February of 22 for a new bill to come in to amend sp 206 uh, that would include community colleges. And the way our legislation works, anything that's adopted unless it's an emergency And I don't see this being an emergency which requires two thirds votes of both houses. Uh, It's signed into law by September of 2022 and would become effective uh, unless pushed out in January of 2023, which lines up kind of perfectly with the original SB 206 piece. So there's opportunities, uh, Taylor, uh, for that to be incorporated at at certain junctures along the way. Uh, uh particularly if this committee wanted to make such a recommendation relative to community college athletes uh and its set of recommendations that have to go to the legislature by july one uh so that's a that is a possibility and I just wanted to kind of speak to that so that wasn't my question <laughs> that was more, more of an answer to, to to a question but i guess my question uh Really, I kind of got back to the notion of um, of of. Oh, wait a minute! Let me see. Let me stop because I think I've kind of dominated. I'm gonna let Rob go, and then I'll come back with a follow up myself. So, uh, Doctor, you can you can
4: speak any time you want.
1: No, 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 no. I (laughs) I, I don't. I don't want (laughs) to. I answered, I answered Taylor's questions and, and somewhat uh, socializing, but I definitely want to get the other committee members an opportunity. And I see Eric is also cued in as well. So, uh,
4: so I missed. It. I may have missed it, but who would put on these workshops? The universities or a third party association, or who would be doing these?
0: Uh, good question. It would be governed by the universities themselves. Uh, the what's important is. We, we crafted the legislation that was signed into law by the governor in June, and then there's this gap of roughly a year before it becomes effective. And so from that point in time until July 1, 2021, it's put in the hands of the board of governors and the, and the State Department of Education to really hammer home some of those fine details. Uh, so the specifics aren't really out there yet. We know what the prohibitions are with regards to not allowing any sort of third party entity market to the, to the athletes. But could there be third parties involved in some form or facet? Absolutely. Ultimately, it will be in charge of the universities to ensure that they
1: are in compliance with the statute. Thank you. Okay. Dr. Andrew Jonas.
5: Uh, what I was gonna offer is that many of our colleges have financial literacy workshops and classes already created. We often um, use them with our uh, College 101 or Introduction to College and other um, and other types of curriculum. So I think in terms of the community colleges, we might be in pretty good shape for uh, offering that. Um, I guess my thought or my question is, even if it took a long time or a while to amend SB 206, one possibility would be to go through the regulatory route to the Board of Governors, because they could actually provide guidelines from the chancellor's office for student athletes uh, in, as part of um, their regulatory rights as, in, as uh, the Board of Governors. So that would be my recommendation. If we thought um, getting some sort of uh, legislative change would take too long, we could also, if necessary, advocate for it to be included in the Budget Act language for the 21-22 uh, budget. There are oftentimes lots of unrelated things that wind up in that budget act and so this might be an a great opportunity for um a little inclusion in that budget act
1: right it, it, uh, you're speaking uh, more to the trailer bill because the budget yeah, act is you know year, yeah yeah the budget trailer act, bills. yeah budget act is year to year yeah the, tra- the trailer bill trails behind the budget act so that you can do Yes, uh, Sorry about coach. And it's okay. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh it's it's they yeah, no, you're right. It's they're not supposed to be used that way, but
5: <laughs> they can be and they <laughs> oh, are they can a, and, for, and they
1: oh my goodness, are they <laughs>
5: oh they are for so many things. And <laughs> right, so if right, this right. is you know, given it, we understand the legislative cycle and how long it takes, I mean this this would be a shortcut to at least getting something on the books uh right. that no, would, that
1: would protect our students. So we we'll get a chance to debate that as a committee for sure and uh make and, and kind of move some things forward and and even as uh, uh and probably uh I haven't checked to see if Justin is in the in the in the group but we have been shadowed by one of the governmental relations staff members and just excel Nick uh So Justin, if you are there, let me just double check, uh, see if my colleague is in, Uh, not today, he was there on on Tuesday, but uh, for sure that is something that we can be discussing inside the building as well as we move, as as we get ready for the 2021 legislative session. Anyway, Thank you Taylor has another question Taylor
2: hi sorry I, I disconnected so if this is already answered or if this is something uh, very understanding within the legal process I don't understand I apologize I just wanted to ask would it be more beneficial to have financial literacy from an outside resource to help with you know consistency of the knowledge provided and to offer um, you know for colleges that may not have as strong of as strong of an athletic program with, um, you know, they may not offer these classes. So would it be more beneficial for an outside resource that provides it for consistency and for colleges that may not offer this? So that's my question, so, I don't, it, yeah. It is a good
0: question and, and I addressed it somewhat to a different question earlier. Uh, there is no restriction on including third parties to, to help provide these types of, this type of information to the athletes. The restriction is as follows. The the statute says, the workshop may not include any marketing, advertising, referral, or solicitation by providers of financial products or services. So really the intention and the motive behind that is we don't want individuals to feel as though they have to be represented from an advisory capacity by these people who are providing the information. Do we want reputable individuals to be educating the athletes? Absolutely. And does that mean that sometimes it may be necessary or advantageous to go outside of the university for that help? Certainly. But to the extent that one of these individuals who's an advisor is now handing a marketing brochure to an athlete, that's a problem. And so it is codified by statute so that that is uh, not permissible. But otherwise, yes, we, we do want to allow the universities to call on third parties to assist in this effort. Ultimately our goal is to educate the athletes who are all of a sudden going to be in a position. And we recognize here in Florida that some athletes will be under 18 years of age um, and that these types of of contracts can be and must be certified by a court of law when they are age of minority. So in, in those instances, we're now saying you can earn this money but we don't want to throw them in such a situation without having the, the necessary resources and education at their fingertips. And that's really the motivation behind it. Okay. Thank you
2: Thank you very much. That answers my question.
1: Thank you, Taylor. Taylor, you're very active today. I love it. Thank you, sir. Okay. Um, uh, Dr. Cuoco, Anita, do you have any questions as we... Uh, wrap this uh this session up
3: i do have one question and thank you for being here darren i know you've had a busy morning so (laughs) i appreciate you making it um yes i followed you on twitter and so i i did see some of it's been a morning that's for sure been a morning for sure um i do want you to kind of walk us through what athletes in florida will or will not be able to do on july 1st 2021 since any ncaa Changes wouldn't be effective until August of 2021. So, sort of, what do you see happening on July 1st, 2021 in Florida?
0: Well, I'm not quite sure that if in fact it's been stated that the NCA changes, have been, if in fact there are changes, and we have not yet seen the specific legislation, uh, that it wouldn't be effective until August 2021. I can tell you that if that is true, there have been no conversations within the state to amend our effective date as of now. In fact, we have not even discussed uh, making our law null and void in the case that the NCAA changes its rule. We want to take a wait and see type of approach to determine what, in fact, the NCAA does. Just looking at the recommendations that the NCAA disseminated many months ago, uh, we were very underwhelmed by the suggestions. At least here in the state of Florida, we're concerned about the quote unquote guardrails, the restrictions on certain categories such as shoe and apparel deals. The a regulation of athlete agents by the NCAA. So there could be a situation where the NCAA changes its rules and yet we move forward with making our law effective in July 1, 2021. Uh, to the other part of your question, what will and will not be allowed for college athletes? So right now we're creating a free market where athletes will be able to enter into any type of arrangement with any type of company. But there's a caveat to that. And as I mentioned before, we built in a period of time for the Board of Governors and State Department of Education to create regulations. And in those regulations, we suggest and anticipate that it will include certain categories that are off limits. I think a good uh, a good place to start in terms of What those categories may be is if you look at the recent legislation that has been suggested by Representatives Anthony Gonzalez and Emmanuel Cleaver on the national, they include carve-outs for adult entertainment, gambling, tobacco, uh, illicit substances, uh, and I believe there may be one other category in there. It is possible and likely that we will include identical or similar categories and perhaps more that are off limits to athletes. But we also want to take consideration of the fact that if we're going to limit those athletes and and tell them that they are prohibited from certain categories of products or services, we really should be doing the same with the universities. So if we're going to take the position that athletes can't be involved with gambling associations or operators, should we also then be telling the universities that they can't as well? And we're looking at things like Colorado, which recently entered into an agreement with PointsBet. And just yesterday, New Mexico State that just entered into a, lights, a licensing arrangement with a liquor company. And whether it makes sense then, if, if, if we're going to then limit the athletes from these types of categories, do we do the same with the universities? And I, and I anticipate that's going to be a serious discussion between now and July of next year.
3: Thank you. So if if I understand sort of the processes happening in Florida right now, um, the law basically made a fairly significant policy statement that we want to basically unrestrict this market. However, it does sound like that the Board of Education or the Board of Governors and the Department of Education in Florida are going to develop regulations that are going to still manage or impose some sort of limits in that marketplace at the state level in Florida that right now seem to, to be somewhat similar to some of the, the bipartisan federal proposals. Is that your understanding as well?
0: That's absolutely accurate. The final page of the legislation does state uh, that the Board of Governors and the State Board of Education shall adopt regulations and rules respectively to implement this section. So it's a necessity.
3: Yeah. Okay, great, thank you. Adam, did you have anything if we have time?
4: Yeah, hi, Uh, just uh, one thing real quick and thank you for the the presentation Darren was very informative and and much appreciated Um, and um, uh, ironic that you brought up that uh, New Mexico State whiskey thing I was talking to Anita about that earlier and yeah, I can't can't wait to try out the pistol Pete six shooter whiskey there from New Mexico State but uh, my question for you. might be a fair question, might not be a fair question. I had just happened to read a news story uh, earlier this morning that talked about um, a couple of individuals were opining that they did not think that federal uh, legislation on this NIL issue uh, would go into effect before Florida's laws went into effect. And um, one person commented that they think it is quite conceivable the NCAA might sue the state of Florida uh, asking for injunction on grounds of competitive imbalance and effects on the NCAA's business model. Uh, I, I guess just any thoughts or reactions to to that? My
0: initial reaction, if I'm going to be blunt, is bring it on to the second part of your question. Um, But so so first of all, whether or not the federal government will take action. Uh, It's interesting because just yesterday I heard uh, Senator Wicker indicate that he believes no matter what, the federal government will do something by July 1, 2021. I'm not as confident What's interesting is you have three main uh, proposals out there. Senator Marco Rubio from my own state, who uh, his bill actually says the NCAA has to make new rules by June 30, 2021. So think about the timing on that one, just prior to our law going effective. But it's very NCAA friendly. It would remove the antitrust exemption, or or it would provide an antitrust exemption, I'm sorry. Um, Then there's Senators... Booker, uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris and others who have a proposal out there that goes well beyond name, image, and likeness into true pay-to-play and scholarships in perpetuity and so on and so forth. I think that has a minimal chance of success because it just goes so far outside of NIL. And finally, the the bill that I mentioned before, that that, which has been sponsored by uh, Representatives Gonzalez and Cleaver, which I think is the most moderate and probably the most likely to be passed, if any of them. And then I've heard whispers that there's going to be even more legislation proposed in the near future. But I'm a, on the side that does not think that the federal government between this lame duck session and then the new inauguration, the new administration, that there will be any change uh, before July 1, 2021. So then until your second question, will the NCAA take action against the state of Florida? And I know you in California, Uh, have heard or read about the threats that the NCAA made against you in your state. Originally, I think even saying that it would take away uh, tournaments and and bowl games and so on and so forth. Uh, and, And it was an empty threat, obviously. And what's interesting is throughout the process in the state of Florida, not once were we contacted by the NCAA or anyone at the NCAA, including General Counsel Donald Remy, um, and even after passing the legislation and after Governor DeSantis signed it into law in June, we still have yet to hear from anyone from the NCA. A lot of the commentary is pure speculation. Uh, we've received no letters, uh, no indications that there's going to be a lawsuit. Most people think it would be based on what's called the Dormant Commerce Clause, that we're essentially providing an unfair advantage uh, in our state as compared to other states. But again, we have received no credible threat whatsoever. And in speaking with uh, individuals who are high ranking members in Congress, the governor's office and so on and so forth, they're, they're ready and willing to fight. I mean, this is, these are rights that we believe the athletes have deserved in all of time. And there's no reason to wait on it. Um, and I can't imagine that if in fact the NCA were to sue us in Florida, that there would be some sort of preliminary injunctive relief that would stall us from offering these rights to the athletes. So then while the case, if there is one is pending, I would assume that we would still be able to provide those rights to the athletes.
4: Excellent, thank you for sharing your perspective on that.
1: Thank you, very very lively conversation as we try to get into our lunch hour. And and the question that I had earlier, which I'm, I'm I'm kind of reluctant to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway, um, is the difference because the notion of of, of pay to play has come up in a couple of forums that I that I participate in, well, I participated in that I've listened in on, and and just the nil, uh, which is which is a little different. And, and and hearing you a few minutes ago, uh, speak about um, Vice President-elect uh, Harris, which is the California Senator uh, on the notion of a pay to play uh, focus. Um, that does seem to be going much, much further. Um, did, did Florida consider that element when it was, uh, when it was doing this uh, proposed legislation? And and that obviously they didn't go that far, but uh, what was some of the discussions around that?
0: It was never even discussed after, any further than saying, this is an option and it's one that we're not looking into currently. Uh, we wanted to pick and choose our battles. We figured that going too far outside the scope of name, image, and likeness could potentially cause us to not ever get to the point where we had legislation in front of the governor to execute. And personally, while I think from a normative perspective, it makes perfect sense for the athletes to be paid uh, for the services that they're provided, there are many complications. Uh, And Professor Kohler gave an excellent explanation of Title IX and why that does not apply to name, image, and likeness. And I am in absolute agreement with Professor Kohler but you do end up having serious concerns if we do enter into a pay for play regime and there's not equitable treatment to all athletes by sexes and by sport. And so, and, and, and so I don't think, you know, I think we need to take this as a real win for athletes' rights. And then at some point in time in the future, I wouldn't be surprised if either on a state by state level or on a national level, uh, or even through the judicial system, the pay for play argument is further fleshed out. Uh, But one thing that we were very, very cautious of in the state of Florida is not to lose sight of the main goal, which was to provide these athletes these very important rights.
1: Fantastic, thank you. We have uh, moved into the 1140 hour uh, and uh, at this particular point in time, I really, really wanna say thank you for your time and your insight, particularly from an insider's perspective. On the Florida law, that was very insightful. What? Um, uh, sorry, what other question? Are community college students incorporated into the Florida law? They sure yeah. are. Okay. All right. Sounds that's 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 a quick question. With that being said, thank you. Um,